Hi everyone, it's Stephanie K. Welcome to another conversation on Hey Steph. So how are you doing? My father used to say, what you know good. So what do you guys know good? I want to say thank you so much for hanging in with me. If this is your first episode, thank you and welcome to Hey Steph. I hope that you enjoy your experience here And so we're going to get right into it. So I was thinking about what am I going to talk about now, right? There's so many things to talk about. So trust me, I'm a talker. I'm never going to run out of things to say. So everybody is safe. Everybody breathe. Woosa. That felt great, right? So this episode is called Better Be Good to Me. And this was partially inspired. I try to think of cheeky titles for each episode. And so the one that came to mind with this subject that I'm going to talk about is Better Be Good to Me. And this is a song by my fairy godmother in my head, Tina Turner, from her private dancer album, Better Be Good to Me. And I was thinking about that in relationship to this great resignation. So if you're paying attention to the news or different spaces about employment since the pandemic has started and as we continue to move through an active pandemic, there's been a lot of conversation around the great resignation, people just leaving their jobs. And there's so many different narratives around the why. I think everybody's trying to figure out why. Everybody, meaning people who own businesses, corporations, whatever, staffing is an issue. And if you go anywhere, places that you wouldn't traditionally see, A hiring sign, actually, if you think about maybe five or even 10 years ago, these places, it was almost like you could never, you know, get hired there. And now these same places are now actively recruiting. Some of them have went as far as commercials. And when you come in, the employees might be talking it up. Their signage all over saying we're hiring. And so, like I said, there's a lot of narratives about why that is. Uh, Unemployment is one narrative. Um, People don't want to have that traditional kind of 19th century work schedule. The world has evolved and society has followed suit. So there's so many different opinions. There's so many different reasons. I think the reasons are as individual as the people who are making those types of decisions about what they want their life to be. I definitely can say, even for me, that the pandemic caused me to literally pause and to think about, well, what is important? And certainly if you go through any type of loss, it doesn't even need to be a loss. But just if you have an opportunity to kind of get off of the proverbial merry-go-round and look at your life and think about your priorities, maybe you think about what is something that you should continue doing, 
What do you need to do differently? Is a pivot required or maybe you just need a different perspective? Maybe nothing needs to change. Maybe everything is exactly as it should be. Maybe just your perspective or your way of thinking needs to change. And so I totally understand, you know, different positions. And so I have, I wanted to kind of rip here about better be good to me in relationship to maybe that is one reason or look at position that is one angle as to why people are reconsidering having a structured work life. There's been a lot of conversations about work-life balance, but what does that really, really mean, right? Work-life balance, that means that I balance my needs and my life and it's like a scale. And what's going to outweigh the other is my bills, is it going to be my obligations, financial obligations is it going to be my professional obligations versus the obligation to as I talked about in episode four my wellness taking care of myself making time so many people don't do things as simple as because and I know this because I was one of those people so many people delay or defer things like an annual exam annual wellness exams So many people just don't schedule it in because they don't believe that they have time. And depending on their situation, they might not be able to get time off from work. They might not have childcare. They might not even have the financial means to be able to see a healthcare provider when they really need to. So there's so many different situations. And I think all of those situations are factoring into why people are participating in the great resignation. But I think it's about how people feel that they are treated in the workplace. And maybe not even themselves. Like I am a part of a generation My parents were a part of the baby boomer generation. And so for me, I grew up as a latchkey kid, right? So my childhood was spent with, I had everything that I needed materialistically, but I had both parents who needed to work. So what is the priority here, right? And I'm not knocking my parents and namely my mother because I got a really great life and I didn't want for anything other than maybe, you know, having my mom there when I came home, when I was dropped off from, you know, from being dropped off with, at the, from the school bus. It, it would have been cool, you know, to have a parent there to say, hey, how was your day? And let me help you with, with, with homework. That encouraged me to be very self-motivated, which has benefited me in my life. I mean, trust me, it all worked out for my good. But maybe my generation and certainly the generations after mine are saying, no, I don't want that. No, I I went through that. I was a latchkey kid too. I'm not going to raise latchkey kids. I'm going to be there for my kid. I'm not going to 
put a job or bills over my children. I do understand and appreciate that I got to earn. I do appreciate that it's called adulting. I appreciate that I have to be a productive member of society, but at what expense? So you have that mindset of, you know what, I got to rethink this. I got to really think about what I'm doing. Um, There are so many different factors, such as, like I said, how people feel that once they get to work, you know, how, how, what is the work environment like? There's all kinds of, of work environments going on here. And, you know, the easiest, one of the easiest explanations, or I'm going to call it the easiest culprit to blame for the great resignation is compensation, right? Um, People are leaving because they're making more money off of unemployment than they are coming to work or people want more money. And this is the genesis of their dissatisfaction. And I will offer a different perspective on that. That could be it, it could definitely be those things. And in certain industries and certain situations, it probably is that, you know, compensation, you know, could be an opportunity. But. I strongly feel that if an employee doesn't have anything that they find rewarding about the job, then compensation is all that they have. And so if compensation isn't where they think it should be or in comparable situations, it's not either market or it's below market or people who maybe are doing less work or getting paid more for a similar job, then that could create issues in terms of, well, what am I doing that? And that could be a reason to pause, to say, you know, let me rethink this thing. And the reason that I say that compensation isn't always the issue is because you have people who volunteer. And thank goodness for volunteers, right? We would not be able to have a thriving society where people help the underserved and underprivileged and animals and the environment. Many of these people, they work on very significant and worthy causes and they get no money for it sometimes. Or they get a stipend that may not even be a livable wage, but these people do it. They do it because it's something in it for them. They can clearly see that it's something in it for them. They get personal, they get personal fulfillment. They feel like they matter. They feel like what they are doing matters when they get out of their bed they feel as though they are going to make a difference. And I do believe that people really want to make a difference. And so if a person doesn't feel that they are making a difference, if they don't feel that they matter, if they don't feel that their contributions matter, then you know what they might say? Well, you know what? If I'm not going to matter, then you know what? You better pay me. And at least... If I don't matter, 
I can pay for something that does, or I can pay for a feeling, I can pay for an experience, or I can pay for things that make me feel as if I matter, to make me feel as if my life or my existence matters. There has to be a fair exchange. It can't be one side of there's, you know, and I understand we live in a capitalist society, so I get that. And I think most people do get that. Most reasonable people by a reasonable person standard, I think that most people get it. But there has to be some modicum of a fair exchange. Because if it was all about money, there would be no volunteers. Nobody would volunteer to do anything because they're not getting paid clearly. Right? So pay is not always what motivates people. Sometimes it's a purpose. It's having, it's leading a purpose-driven driven life. That is what makes us, I know me, let me speak for myself. I want to feel as though what I do matters because all of our time is finite. Now, if we had unlimited time, then you know what? We can kind of just, you know, bump around and just do things because time is not a factor. But given that we all are on some form of a clock, how do you want to spend that time? What do you want that time to look like? Do you want, does it make sense to you to pay top dollars for a house that you never get to spend any time in? I just touched my (laughs) Apple Watch. But do you want to do that? The answer is no. Most of us do not want to spend our hard-earned money paying for things that we will never enjoy. So that's my position on compensation We can't just hide behind that. Oh, they want more money. Everybody's going to want more money. I I don't know many people who don't think that they should be paid more, who could use more money. I mean, people wouldn't be playing the lottery if, if that were the case. So that's, I'll move on from that. I will wrap this episode up or this conversation up by sharing a recent experience that I had. So There's this restaurant that I like to go to, really great food. And the problem that I can see that from my perspective is the business is not managed properly. So I went to the restaurant and it's no point in calling this restaurant because they will never answer the phone. The phone rings off the hook. And so you end up having to come in and it's just a lot going on. They have dine-in. You can also come in and place your order, which is what I was doing on this particular day that I'm referencing. And then they also participate with the food delivery services. So People are placing orders online and and the drivers are coming in to pick up the orders. So I placed my order and after waiting like 30 minutes 
And, you know, I had a conversation with the girl. There was a couple of things missing in my order, but I talked to the girl who took my order initially and she corrected it. Fast forward, the manager comes out shortly after and starts berating the girl. Like right in front of me is as if I am not even there, right? The manager is berating the girl, telling the girl that she made a mistake on the order, telling her that she gave, you know, someone else, somebody else's order. There was another section where there was another employee handling the food service people. And I don't know, maybe he missed giving somebody an item. So she went and talked to him. And I felt so badly... For those employees, because that is a big no-no. That is a cardinal no-no. You don't do that. You praise publicly and you correct privately. So even if the woman who took my order was wrong as two left shoes, and she probably could have been, there was no reason to address her and 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 the manager wasn't yelling or screaming but the manager was definitely giving me a reason as somebody who was waiting on my order and the girl did actually make a mistake but if i if i had confidence in the order taker then you know what i don't have confidence in the order taker now and and i don't even know if i have confidence in in the establishment because you've just made it known to me that you all are mixing up people's orders. And this is after I sat there patiently waiting 30 minutes, which is absolutely crazy. Like that should not happen. And so in addition to watching this employee basically be insulted in my presence, I also watched other things because I had nothing to do but be observant, right? Right. So I watched the two waitresses. There were only two waitresses, and but they were doing double duty. So the waitresses were also taking orders as people came in. Um, they were waiting on their clearly customers that seemed to be regulars. They were spending a lot of time with them. But there was no hostess. There was no one for people who were actually trying to dine in. So those people just kind of intuitively, when they didn't see anybody, nobody greeted them, nobody, you know, said anything. So they took a seat at any open table. And as I sat there, I didn't see anyone approach them. No one brought them any water. Nobody brought them something to nibble on as they waited A lot of the restaurants now are opting for the QR menus. So you, you know, take your camera phone and you scan the little QR code. And so the menu pops up on your phone. And, you know, this kind of helps to minimize people handling paper menus and stuff like that. You know, just very germy and whatever. But what if you don't know that? What if you don't dine out? very often? What if you didn't bring your phone? What if you're going to actually try to practice some level of mindfulness and so you don't bring your phone? So you're just not going to get a menu. You're just not going to know what's what to order. You're just, you're just supposed to sit there. And so I watched a couple sit there. 
They sat there, I want to say about 10 minutes and nobody approached them. Yet there were two, I'm going to call them bus boys because that's the general term. And they were like kind of standing in the back, you know, just on their phones or whatever, right? They were there to just remove people's stuff as they left or whatever, you know, clear the tables and maybe wipe it down. But that was it, right? The manager, because it's about who's running the show, they could have been, instead of standing back there, you know, on their phones, they could have been the greeters. One of them could have been a greeter. One of them could have been bringing water to customers who just sat down while the waitresses were preoccupied, right? And so, yes, I know it's easy to, on the outside looking in, see what other people's shortcomings are. But what that told me, what this, there's a moral of this story for me, right? I I have a moral of the story is that too, people are not going to sign up for that. Okay. No person that has any modicum of self-esteem and has other options is going to go to work and be insulted, whether publicly or, or privately. Just nobody signs up for that, right? If a person isn't doing their job, you have options as the manager, you train them, you coach them. And if they're not getting it, then you have to maybe have another kind of conversation, right? And this also was a very good example of you had people, even though they had a, a waitress wanted sign on the door, I don't think that the immediate problem was staffing. I think like with a lot of businesses, you have the wrong people doing, you have the right people doing the wrong thing. And sometimes you have the wrong people doing very critical things. So those two employees that weren't given any direction on what to do when customers came in, like those people could have done that. Or you keep somebody just to, you know, do the orders and not move about the restaurant. It doesn't matter. People don't want to fail. I just strongly believe that. In all of my years working in HR, I don't know. I I haven't met, really, I haven't met anybody who got out of their bed, turned on their water, put some water on themselves, got dressed, got into work, however they got into work, they did all of that to fail. And if that's what we think about the people that we hire, then the people that we are choosing to hire or people in positions of hiring maybe need to rethink what they're doing. You cannot think the worst of people and get the best out of them. Sometimes we have to see people higher and that includes our employees. You cannot manage, there's a saying, you cannot manage to the 20%, you know, the 80-20 rule, right? There's going to always be 20% that's going to not do the right thing. I mean, we wouldn't have, we wouldn't need HR policies. We wouldn't need loss prevention. We wouldn't need that if everybody did what they were supposed to do. But you got 80% of the people who are doing the right thing. How do we acknowledge and recognize them? How do we show them that they trust, that they are trusted? 
when you hire someone, you're saying, I trust you. They're trusting you to invest their time that that investment is going to yield a profit for them so that they can improve their situation in life. And the corporation or the business should be hiring because they're saying, you know what? I trust you to do the job that I've hired you to do. So that's what made me think about better be good to me. You have this climate where people aren't taking it. People are not, people are prioritizing their mental health. They are prioritizing their value. They know their value and the value is not always translated into dollars. People know what they want and what they want is to be treated with respect. So I think that the collective we, we're going to have to do a better job and we're going to have to take a hard look at ourselves. And even as customers, right? You know, we talk about, you know, wait times, you know, like me, like because they were short staff, I had to sit there and wait 30 minutes. But some customers, because I've been on the other side of that too. Some customers are just straight up rude, just rude. And they take their frustration out on people who presumably are defenseless because you know that that person needs their job. That person can't tell you where to go and tell you where to put it because they're on their job. So they have to stand there and be muted or subdued when really they would let you know that what you're doing is not right. But they can't because they don't want to lose their job. Who knows how long it took for them to get that job. And that's not right. We have to do a better job, right? If there's something wrong, like in that example that I gave at that restaurant, if the the employee that made the mistake made a mistake, but there's a way to handle it. And it's not personally attacking that person because you don't know that person standing there. You don't know them. So it can't be personal. I didn't know that. I didn't know that young lady. I don't know what was going on with her. I don't know if that was her second day on the job. How do I know? And even if all of those things were true, that does not give me the right. I don't care how much money I'm spending. That does not give me the right to mistreat her or anybody else who's just trying to make a living. Because guess what? I'm trying to make a living too. And if I wouldn't want that being done to me or someone that I love, then I shouldn't be behaving like that to other people. So if we want to see better service as a public, as consumers and capitalists, if we want people to serve us, we better treat them right. Because people are not taking what they used to take. They're not doing it. And I say brava and bravo for them for being able to stand up for themselves and say, no, no, I'm not going to accept that. Yes, I need to earn a living, but at what expense? I do hope that you enjoyed this episode. If this is your first time listening, again, thank you so much. I hope that you also enjoyed this episode and I hope that you would consider 
following by clicking the little bell on the Spotify app or on the Spotify website. I hope that you would consider doing that. And it would really help me out if you also shared this podcast with other people or even if you just shared this episode, that would be awesome. So until the next time, be well, take good care of yourselves. And remember, better be good to me and be good to yourself too. Take care. Thank you for listening.